All right, go ahead and take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. A familiar passage of scripture, I'm sure, for most. And if not, hopefully you become more acquainted with it after tonight. <laughs> 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, we'll read the first 10 verses, and then uh, we'll get into this thing. How about that? It is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. Such an one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth, how that... He was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such an one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in my infirmities. For though I I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you so much for just allowing us to be in church here tonight. Father, the verses in which we read, Father, they don't particularly provide a whole lot of comfort necessarily. Father, but they reveal to us a a universal truth about the Christian life that, Father, each and every one of us need to understand and need to embrace in some way, shape, or form. Heavenly Father, tonight, the best that we can, I pray, Father, that you'd help me to preach. Father, I pray you'd wash me in the blood of Jesus Christ and anoint my my mind and my, my lips. Lord, let me to say nothing, Lord, that would be of my own... Uh, Lord, but they be all inspired by Thee. Father, we ask that You would bless Your book tonight as we open it and try to understand, uh, Lord, a little deeper these things that You've given us. Father, I pray for each and every one in here tonight, Lord, that they came to hear from You, and I pray they wouldn't leave disappointed. Father, I know that if, uh, Lord, You get in this, Lord, it'll be a help to them, but Lord, if You don't, it won't be. And so tonight we just ask and put these next few minutes in Your hands. And ask you to do what you would will. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. As I just said here, this passage shows us a universal truth about the Christian life that I wouldn't say is the most uh, appealing to me. uh, Especially the longer you uh, try to live a Christian life and the longer you try to serve the Lord and stay in this thing. But there is a, there's a thing here that if I was an outside observationist of the life of, 
uh, Paul, if you will. And if I was to be just a spectator on the outside, I would see Paul as he gets up in the pulpit and preaches. And man, God just uses him, you know, one of those guys that you don't even worry about. You know, you almost feel like you don't have to pray for him because they're just so in tune with God when they speak. It's just like God blows through the place. You know that God's going to show up when Paul preaches. I know some preachers like that. And, uh, and, and, it's, and it's one of those things that they have a presence about them. They have a, they have a power about them. They have a, uh, it's, it's, it's what Jim Linson, his book on preaching, called a pulpit presence. And it's uh, something that Dr. Ruckman had. I remember uh, hearing stories about them preaching. Him and, and uh, Lester Roloff would preach up at uh, Dayton Baptist, uh, excuse me, not Dayton Baptist Temple, but Canton Baptist Temple uh, many, many years ago. And they'd have two, 3,000 people in that big old auditorium. I've been there. I've looked at the, at the paintings that Dr. Ruckman uh, painted all the way down the, the, uh, the uh, Christian Hall of Fame that they have up there at that church. And, and they have these Ruckman roll-off rallies. And they say there'd be a, a congregation of 2,000 people just with that you know, ambient noise as they, as they chatter one with another before the service begins. And then and the two preachers would walk out onto the platform and then you could hear a pin drop without anybody saying anything. You say, what is that? It's just a power. It's just a presence that God had on some men that you look at it from the outside and, and the novice would say, man, it'd be cool to have that. <laughs> be kind of neat, right? When... I open my mouth if God would move like that. <laughs> It'd be awful nice. It seems like when you see somebody and everything they touch just is like a, a spiritual success. <laughs> you know, if so-and-so is in it, then it's a good thing. They have, that, they have that reputation. They have that testimony, you know. And you're like, man, if I, could, if I could have that testimony, that would be such a blessing. And you look at it from the outside and you say, my goodness, man. They just got God all over them. And there's no doubt, God was all over Paul. See, the novice would say it was probably because of how smart Paul was. It must have been all the training that Paul had. It must have been the fact that he sat at the feet of Gamaliel and he had the best teaching and he was very intellectual and he was very smart and he had the ability to articulate and he had the ability to deal with people. That was probably the reason why God could use him in such a way. That's the wrong answer. Some would say, well, it's because it's because of his conversion, because of the great testimony that Paul had and how God came to him on the road to Damascus and struck him down. And he got to see God face to face and undoubtedly the miraculous testimony of his salvation. That's why God uses Paul the way God used Paul. That would be the wrong answer. You see, what we have in this passage is a peek behind the veil of the Apostle Paul's life. He, for a moment, he, for a moment, speaks as a fool. Because multiple times in this entire chapter, he says, I will not glory. But you know what he does for just a moment? As men tend to do sometimes, as they, as they pull back the curtain... And they let you see how the sausage is made, if you will. And what is that? He says, you want to say, I don't glory in my education. I don't glory in the revelations that God's given me. I don't glory in my testimony, although I'll tell you it if you ask me, and sometimes if you don't. He says, 
I'll glory in the infirmities of my life. I'll glory in the fact that God has throttled me. That God has used trouble and pain to give me power. You see, in the world in which we live in today, the society in which we live in today, we feel like things come easy. You want to know why? Because for a lot of us, they do. If you want something, and it's not even that you're doing anything wrong. I'm not getting on you. I don't, I don't think it's wrong. You have certain things. I don't think it's wrong. Praise the Lord. You work for it. You didn't steal it, did you? Amen. Okay, good. I don't care what you have. I don't care what car you drive. I don't care what house you live in. I don't care what kind of job. I don't care how much money you make. You want to know why? Did you steal it? The Bible says that wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished. Amen. Right? The talk of the lips tendeth only to penury. You just big mouth. You just talk about what you're going to do. But he says, in all labor there is profit. And the diligent hand is rewarded. So I don't have a problem with that. But, so, but just, it's, just the, it's just the society and the time in which we live in that if you want something, you just work a little bit harder, you can save up for it and get it. The power of God isn't that way. <laughs> Simon the sorcerer found it out the hard way as he came out of a job and, and he saw these uh, disciples coming and doing things and, 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 and the Lord using them and seeing God you, and, and move through them as we uh, talked about just a couple weeks ago actually. And uh, he got all bitter inside of him. And he says, man, I want what you have. How much can I pay you for it? And he says, I perceive you're in the gall of bitterness because you're asking to pay for something that you can't buy. You say, what is that? Power with God? The fact that when you say, get up, the ankle bones come back to strength and they get up and walk. Silver and gold have I none, but what I have I'll give to thee. You see, those early apostles, they baptized somebody, the Holy Ghost come down. He's, what is that? Well, guess what? They didn't buy it. They couldn't save up for it. There was no amount of work they could do to get it. We live in an easy come, easy go society. And listen, I'm fall, I fall short just like everybody else does. Sometimes we think God works the same way and He doesn't. The fact of the matter is, is what we're reading here right now shows us the example of how people get God's presence in their life and God's power in their life and their words have weight to them and their, and their opinion matters to people. I've watched so many people want to be an influence in somebody else's life, but the problem is, is you don't have any power to be an influence in their life. You say, well, I have life experience. That doesn't make you powerful with God. I have a lot of knowledge. That doesn't give you power with God. I've been in church for 40 years. That doesn't give you power with God. You understand? It's not how it works. Your experience and your, and your, and your knowledge, those are not currencies that God is impressed with. You see, God used a thorn in Paul's life when Paul didn't want it. <laughs> Paul didn't like it. Listen, listen, we want, listen, we want an upper room experience. Right? We want the upper room experience, but we don't want a Gethsemane. We want a crown, but we don't want to carry a cross. 
We want a revelation, but we don't care much for the island of Patmos. Right? Just be honest. We don't like it. It's not fun. It's not something you're like, you know what? I just kind of want to, you know, get persecuted today. I just go ahead and, and hit me with some thorns, God. Let's do this. Some people, they end up with martyr syndrome. And they're constantly looking for it. So they can tell everybody, look at how much I'm suffering. That's not God suffering. That's you suffering. And you can tell everybody your sad stories, but it ain't going to give you any power with God. You say, what does the church miss today? We miss the power of God. You say, you're too young to preach about the power of God. You're probably right. <laughs> I, won't, I won't argue that point. I won't argue that at all. I'll just stand on what the book says about it, and then you can do with it what you please. <laughs> Listen, thorns come in all different shapes and sizes and, and, uh, and, 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 and they all affect people differently. But you want to know something? Paul was able to transcend the pain. He was able to get above focusing on the fact that bad things are happening to him. And undoubtedly in your life here tonight, undoubtedly with as much as people that are here, there's bad things going on in your life tonight. There's hard things that you're going through tonight. And you know what? There ain't nothing that I can do. There ain't nothing pastor can do. There ain't nothing that anybody, there's the arm of flesh cannot help you tonight. It can't help you. That thorn is in there so deep, you can't pull it out. And more importantly, God ain't going to pull it out. It's going to stick. And it's going to hurt. And it's not going to be fun. And it was no different in Paul's life. And Paul was able to transcend that. And he made the statement. He says, I'm not going to glory in myself. He says, he says this, this statement. He says, I will glory in my infirmities. What a thing to say. What a thing to say. There was no, there was no pity party being sought. You realize that pity is as addictive as crack. And, it's, and, it is, and it is the addiction of many a Christian. The worst thing somebody could do is ask you how you're doing. Right? Because bless God you'll tell us. <laughs> I, I try, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to be a little bit light there in, in what I said. And, 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 and sometimes there's a time where you need, to, you need to just let it off your chest. And there's people God will put in your life to do just that. Folks that you can, you can empty out on and you can be safe in doing so. Because some people you can't do that with because they'll hold it over your head. And then they'll tell everybody how much best friends you are because they tell me all their deepest secrets. You're a buzzard if you do that. You're not a friend at all. You're an opportunist. And you align yourself with people that you think will give you credibility and you try to steal the credibility by taking advantage of them when they're vulnerable. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but he was able to get above it and he said, I glory in those infirmities. You know what he was able to say? He says, you know what, Lord? Thank you for my thorns. Thank you for the pain. Thank you for the hard times. Thank you for the disappointments. 
Thank you, Father, for this horrible situation I find myself in. Thank you for this thing that keeps me up at night. Thank you for this unspoken prayer request that no, by, by no means and no, and no way would even be appropriate to speak in public. But all I can say is I have an unspoken prayer request. You know what? I fail to transcend those things sometimes. I fail to have that attitude. But there's some practical truth, and we'll get to something here in a little bit. I'm going somewhere, so if you would bear with me. There is some practical truth about thorns. There's a universal truth about thorns that is very much so right, but it probably won't comfort you. <laughs> is that okay? You want to know the first, the first truth we see about thorns here in the passage? Thorns will help you. Thorns, they will help you. Thorns will help you with yourself. You know what he tells you in the first four verses of this chapter? He just kind of nonchalantly tells you about an experience and a vision that he had where he was caught up to the third heaven. Do you understand what he just said? He's, he's telling you about a time when he was caught up to the third heaven and, and saw where we're going. He was taken up, whether in the body or out of the body, he can't tell. It was something that God showed him that was so exclusive to him that nobody can understand what Paul saw outside of heaven. What an amazing thing. What an amazing revelation that God would, God would so much uh, uh, give Paul the opportunity to go up there and, and, even, and even hear things that were so unspeakable, he can't even utter them. Because I have not seen, nor ear heard, nor entered into the heart of the man what God has prepared for him. He gets up there and he sees it. He sees the beauty. He's enamored by it. And then God puts him back down here. What a horrible thing to do. You want to talk about torture? That's got to be torture. Can you imagine... The bragging rights Paul could have? Could you imagine? Could you imagine getting into like a story, you know, fight with him? You know how sometimes you go back and forth and one person tells a story and the next person tells a story and it's like you're like volleying back and forth until, until somebody gives up? Could you imagine having that conversation with Paul and says, yeah, well, I was in heaven that one time and you're like, oh, come on. <laughs> really? <laughs> He just like trump everybody at one time. He could have wore that thing out and bragged on it and bragged on it and bragged on it. And some people come up to him and they, and they, and they lift him up and they say all these things about him. You want to know how a thorn will help you? The thorn will protect you from yourself. The thorn will show you that you're actually not better than anybody else. You say, what, is it, what, is, what, what was it teaching Paul? That all the advanced revelations that Paul had, he had the dispensation of the grace of God given to him. He is the author of 13 New Testament books. He is, he is one of the, uh, if not the best uh, Christian that ever walked the face of the planet. And you want to know something? He uh, get, was given a thorn to remind him that he was no better than anybody else. He was flesh just like everybody else. He put his pants on just like everybody else. And even though he knew a lot, even though he had experienced a lot, he never made you feel like you were smaller than him. Right? Sometimes, you know what thorns do? They protect you from yourself. Getting to think about yourself a little bit more highly than you ought to think. 
Well, listen, man, I know what it was like. I got out of Bible school one time. <laughs> and I just, I just ran around lopping people's heads off because it was fun and I could. Right? Just, just have at it. So it's a free-for-all. You disagree with me, I'll tell you why you're wrong, and then I'll laugh at you when you're bleeding. That didn't help anybody. <laughs> that didn't help anybody. You see, knowledge puffeth up. The thorn is what brings you back down and deflates your head. You see, the thorn protects you from yourself. It protects you from your spectators. Look in verse 6. What did he say? He says, For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. For if I will say the truth, now uh, I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. You know what? He was, because of the thorn, God protected him from trying to preach to his reputation. You understand that? Sometimes because of your Bible knowledge or because of who you're affiliated with, you know what will happen? People, you'll, you'll get a reputation. And you know what the tendency is? To try to, to, try to, to preach up or to uh, act up to your reputation. Because after all, that's what the people think I am. I'm supposed to be this fire-breathing. Uh, I'm supposed to be this guy that has all the answers. Uh, heaven forbid you ever tell somebody you didn't know something. Right? Because after all, you're the one that's supposed to have all the answers. And so you know what you end up doing? Saying something stupid. Because you're trying to live up to your reputation. You're trying to, and it's not even a reputation that somebody has given you. It's a reputation you've given yourself. I should know. I should be this guy. I should be this preacher. I should have this ability. I should have this gift. You know what happens? You think, oh, how people view me. What do they think of me? How do I look? And you fall victim to it. And the Lord does. He says, you know what? Here's this thorn for you. And he shoves it in. And he says, oh, I don't care what people think. This hurts so bad. <laughs> and it keeps your head down. And that's what Paul needed. God did it to protect him. God did it to help him. We live in a day where we like to promote Christian celebrities and exalt them sometimes higher than we exalt Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. Uh, I, 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 get, I get really, really scared uh, when, I see, when I see people fawning over folks that sing special music. I don't like it. I don't like it when, we're, when we go down and sing and people want to take a picture with us. I don't even like that. I'm being honest with you. I don't like it. I remember the first time we went down to Jacksonville and there was, we, we drove the church bus we had at the time and there was these young kids out there taking pictures in front of our church bus. I'm like, Lord help us. <laughs> we'll just drive a car down from here on out. I don't want this stupid church bus here. People think, you say, why? It's a tendency to do that. They weren't doing that to be a certain way. They weren't being bad about doing it. You know, they appreciate the singing. I get that. But you know what happens is, is we end up exalting people above, uh, above uh, what God's doing. And really when you exalt the man, you, all you're doing is setting him up for a fall. You're not helping him at all. Now, I believe in giving people that uh, deserve it and are due double honor to give them their double honor. I'm not, a, I'm not against that at all. But uh, Paul says, you know, I don't want people to think, uh, I don't want, I don't want to, uh, people to think of me more than what they seeth me to be or what they heareth of me. 
I don't have to try to prove to them anything. I don't have to live up to a reputation. I don't have to live up to some outside uh, vision of what people see me as. I'm just trying to do what God wants me to do. And you know what that thorn does? It keeps your head down and keeps your heart clean. Keeps your heart right. You see what I'm saying? You know how they help you? It'll just remove your pride. Verse 7 says, lest I should be exalted. It ain't Paul. It never was Paul. It was somebody working through Paul. You see, it's not, it's not, what, we see, it's not what we think it is sometimes. You know what? They help you. They give you the, it gives you the capability to console other people. In verse number 9, he says, the power of Christ. You know what you realize? You can't help anybody with your intellect. And you can't help anybody with your experiences a lot of times. You can't. Listen, God has to give you that ability. God has to. You could, tell, you could have gone through the same exact thing somebody else went through. And if you don't have God on you, you won't help them. You'll just make it worse. You understand that? It's not, it's not so binary. It's not so cut and dry so many times. We think that, oh, well, you know, I remember, I remember there was one time I lost, uh, I lost my dad when I was 13 years old. And I've told the story before, and I won't go into detail about it again. But I lost my dad when I was 13 years old. And there was another family in the church we were going to at the time. And uh, it was several years later after I had lost my dad. And their dad was in church, and, and he got to be a CO. And he was kind of got out of church. He was called to preach, apparently. I don't know much about him on a personal level, but this what I was told. And, uh, and eventually, you know, he was just being the designated driver to the guys down at the Pines after the second shift, you know, and they'd get off and they'd go have a couple brewskis and everything and he'd drive them home. And, uh, and eventually it went from him taking them home to them having another guy say, well, I'll, I'll go ahead and drive and maybe you can have a couple tonight. And he says, yeah, maybe I'll have one, maybe I'll have two. And eventually he stopped coming to church and eventually he didn't uh, think he was called to preach anymore. And eventually he was a sop drunk. And he was going outside the pines one night over there in Constable, New York, and he's flying, he was flying around there in a snowstorm after a late shift one night. He was going to get in his car and drive home, and as he staggered, he was trying to get his keys into his car door, and he couldn't get them, and he dropped his keys, and he fell over, and he passed out in the ditch, and he froze to death. He had three little kids in our church and his wife, and I came in on Sunday morning, and Preacher came up to me and said, you know what, Joe? He says, you've been through this exact same thing. You've been through this exact same thing. Why don't you go help these boys? You want to know something? There wasn't nothing I could. I had been through exactly. I knew exactly how they felt. I knew exactly how it feels to get the phone call. I knew exactly the, the feeling you get in your stomach and that sickness you get in your stomach and that, and, that, and that emotional break that you have. I knew exactly what those boys felt. And you know what? There was nothing I could say to help them. So just because I went through it doesn't mean it equates to the fact that I can help them. I can relate to them, but in that moment I can't help them. You say, what a help? God can help them. My experience can't help them. I can't translate myself into them. I can, I can pray for them. I know how they feel. That doesn't make them feel any better. You see, sometimes we think it's so transactional. Well, I, this has happened to me, and so therefore now I can do this with other people. No, you need the power of God. <laughs> you, listen, you need, just like Jesus Christ with that, with that, when that woman came and touched the hem of his garment, you need virtue to be able to pass through you into other people. And I don't care what your experience and how much you know, it will not pass through you because of that. 
It's a God thing. And Paul says, the power of Christ may rest upon me. It'll give you sometimes, it'll, it'll, uh, if, you can, if you can endure those things, it can, it can help you to, to have compassion on other people, to try to console other people, to have a heart for other people. No doubt, it'll help you with that. It will help you with that. It'll give you some confidence in your God. In verse number 10, he says, Though, uh, he says when I am weak, then am I strong. You see, Paul realized that <clears throat> uh, God got me through this and God will get me through another thing. And he gives that testimony about, you know, day and night in the deep and, and all the perils of this and perils of my countrymen and perils of this and, and fastings off and, and hungerings and all these things that he went through. And the more and more negative things that Paul went through, you know what? Every time he went through those things, you know what happened? He got more and more confidence that God was going to see him through. You say, what do thorns do? They'll help you. They'll absolutely help you. But you don't want to know something? If you're going through it tonight, nothing I just said makes you feel any better. <laughs> nothing I just said makes anybody in here that's got a thorn and it's pushed into your side tonight make you feel any better. <clears throat> you know, I've preached this sermon before. I used to end with those points I just gave you. That used to be my closer. That was like, oh, you got pain, you got trouble in your life. Look at all these good things God's going to do for you afterwards. Have a good night. <laughs> <clears throat> the truth of the matter is, if you're going through it tonight, I can tell you until I'm blue in the face, oh, you know what God can do through your heartaches, and you know what God can do through your pain, and you know what? It doesn't help you at all. It doesn't make you feel any better. You're like, yeah, but I'm hurting now. I have a thorn of loneliness right now. I'm, I'm alone right now. I Listen, Loneliness is a thorn. And unless you've been lonely, <laughs> come home to nobody. And then even when you're by yourself, at least you have somebody to call, and then all of a sudden they leave and they don't want nothing to do with you, and then you don't even have anybody to call anymore. And you thought, oh, well, if I just get around more people, then I'll, I won't be lonely anymore. And then you realize that you, <clears throat> you can't force those relationships with people. And so you'll be sitting in a group full of people and you'll feel lonelier than you were when you were by yourself. Amen. Am I just talking to myself tonight? No. <laughs> Some of you in here, you're lonely. You see, and your friends get married and go off and, and get married and start lives and have kids. And you're like, well, what's, what's wrong with me? You see it? Well, it's not working out for me. Listen, there's thorns in here tonight. Some of you have lost folks that you love. And that void that's in your life, it still eats you today. And you'll have good days and you'll have bad days. And every now and again, that the, the seems like the stars align just right. And you just, and you just feel like that person is still there. And then you're reminded ever so gently that they're still gone. And all of a sudden that same pain that was there the first day you heard the news is still there. And all of a sudden, that thorn gets precious a little deeper. You say, oh, maybe you'll be able to help somebody else. Yeah, but how about helping me right now? Some of you, you got family all out of sorts, kids gone astray. 
And you know what? You sit up at night, mom and dad, and you say, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? What could I have done differently? Well, what was it this? And you're analyzing, overanalyzing the different things that played out in the life and how it happened and everything else. And how come they went prodigal? And how come they don't want to talk to us anymore? And what is it? Can I do something? Can I say something different? And you know, and something that thorn gets pushed just a little deeper. Well, that thing happened and it didn't happen the way you thought it was supposed to happen. It's like, Lord, it wasn't supposed to be this way. And I can tell you till I'm blue in the face. Yeah, well, it'll help you. It'll help you. It'll help you. And it'll keep you low. Hey, I'm already low. Yeah, but don't you know a couple years from now, you know, somebody's going to go through the same thing. And you'll be able, I don't care a couple years from now. What about right now? I'm ready to quit right now. Amen. Yeah. See, this is a prime example of just because you know the truth and you can find the thing in the passage and you can make your points doesn't mean that it's ministering and helping people in their time of need. I'm not saying anything I just said won't help you. It will help you. The truth will help you. It won't hurt you. But there's some other things deeper in the passage. If you could just see, they might help you a little bit more. You say, what is it about thorns? Yeah, they'll help you. But how do I handle them right now? How do I handle the thorn right now? You see, Paul gives us a glimpse. And yes, this goes without saying. You know what? It'll cause you to get closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. Undoubtedly, how do you handle prayers? Or how do you, how do you handle uh, thorns? I'm going to teach you how to pray. If you haven't had an open conversation with the Lord in a while, you know what thorns will do? They'll take you to your knees. They'll take you to your knees to a place that only can be described from being there. It's that sweet garden of prayer. It's that sweet place where you and your spirit can commune with the Spirit of God. And it's just like the song says, Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. You know what? It kind of goes without saying. Sometimes it seems redundant when we say it. But so many times we try to bear those loads on our own. And here Paul, you know what Paul does? Paul, he in verse 8 says this. For this I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. This thorn that God gave Paul, and, and make no mistake, it may have been a message, messenger of Satan to buffet him, but God gave it. God gave it. God knew that Paul needed it. And it threw Paul to his knees. And you know what happened? He started beseeching the Lord and beseeching the Lord and beseeching the Lord. That word beseech... It's not just asking. That word beseech is not just, Lord, this really is, is, I don't like this, and Lord, would you please help me? And No, this is an earnest begging. You ever been earnestly begging God? God, I can't bear this. God, this is too hard for me. God, you said you wouldn't, you wouldn't put anything on me. I can't handle I'm telling you, I can't handle this. You ever been there? Say, how do I handle my thorns? 
you get on your knees. You get on your knees. You know, I remember I was, I was a young boy, and we were, we were clearing out some land for a lady across the street from where we lived. We lived on Heath Hill Road, and on Heath Hill Road, there's a big hill. <laughs> that makes sense, right? And uh, at the top of that hill lived an old lady, and, and she had, a, she had a, just a big, probably half acre of you know, locust trees and crab apple trees. These trees that had them thorns on them, like this big, you know, like the crown of Jesus thorns. <laughs> And I remember we went up there and we started clearing this, this land for this lady. And, uh, and I was just, like I said, I was just a little kid. I was probably 12, 13 years old at the time, maybe even a little bit younger. And I had the small chainsaw and my stepdad had the big, you know, industrial chainsaw. I don't even know what kind of brand it was. It was one of them old, it wasn't steel as in the brand steel, but it was like solid steel. Like, <laughs> you know, like you had to be a Hulk to throw this thing around. And uh, he, was, he was over a little ways uh, cutting some trees down, and I was cutting down this, you know, just limbing up this crab apple. And I remember I wasn't paying much attention, and I had gotten a little bit above my head, and I had cut down this one branch, and I remember that, that crab apple tree branch coming down and falling right on top of me. And I remember, because I, I, was, I was scared. I, was, I mean, before we started cutting them down, I was like looking at them thorns, and I'm thinking, that's like... The death tree. I don't want to be around these trees. I didn't even want to pull the brush out. You know what I'm saying? Because those things are there. They are brutal. You get one of them in your hand and it's like, ah, you know. And I remember I cut that limb down, that limb twisted, and it fell right back down on top of me. And I remember I came like this and I cut the chainsaw off. And, um, and, I, was, and I was just inside of this crabapple branch. And I could feel the, the, the thorns pushing in on my back and I could feel them poking into my head and I could feel them all the way around me because this, this branch just engulfed me. And as I thought about how in the world do you handle thorns, I remember what I did in that moment. You know what I did? I stayed completely still. I didn't move a centimeter. I was frozen. Because anytime I went like that, I was driving a thorn in somewhere. <laughs> right? Because I was all surrounded by thorns. Say, how in the world do I handle thorns? Sometimes you just got to learn how to be still. Isn't that something in the Bible about that? When he tells you to just be still and know that he's God. Say, Lord, why? That's not time for that. Hey, listen, if you've got some thorn pain tonight, this isn't the time to figure out why you have it. That doesn't come till later. You know what it's time to do? It's not time to try to figure out your way out, because can I tell you this? The harder you try to get out, the worse it's going to hurt. Does that make sense? The harder you try to get out, the more you move, the more you fight the situation you find yourself in, the deeper the thorn will go. The more pain it will cause. The more damage you will sustain. And so you know what you do when you got thorns all around you? You get as still as you possibly can. And you don't move. It's not the time to make great life decisions. 
It's not the time to figure out whether or not, is this what God really wants me to do? I need to rethink my entire life. And No, it's not. this is not that moment. This is not that moment. It's time to just be real still and real quiet and say, Help! Help! Because your stepdad's over there on the chainsaw and you don't think he can hear you because he can't. He's... And you're just encapsulated. You stand real still. You say, what else do you do? You ready for it? You wait. You wait. How long do you wait? Until he's done doing what he's doing. So he can hear your faint cry. And come over and start to cut you out of the mess that you're in. Does that make any sense? You know what, I... I can't help but see the correlation to the Lord Jesus Christ Himself when He told us to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. But He said, the joy that was set before Him. You say, what was the joy? The cross. The cross was His joy. You say, what did, he, did He take joy in being nailed to the cross? Not in the physical, I'm sure. But see, he was able to, like Paul did, transcend the physical and see it through spiritual eyes. And you know what? As they plated that crown of thorn upon his head, you know what the Bible tells us? He says that we look unto him. Why? Because he endured the cross. And what does the Bible tell us to do? To endure. Right? Tells us to endure hardness as a good soldier. It tells us to endure afflictions. The Bible tells us, listen, the Bible tells us that sometimes we have to wait and just be still. And know this, God knows you're in trouble. God knows that you're stuck in a thorn-ridden branch. And He knows you're waiting. And you want to know what happened? Jesus Christ is on that cross and He's enduring and He's enduring and He's enduring. Until when? Until it's finished. Until it's finished. Say, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. You know what? Paul's prayer changed after verse 8. You understand that? I used to think that when Paul prayed, he prayed three times and then God said no. Anybody ever think the same thing when they read that? Paul prayed three times. God, God pretty much said, no, I'm not going to take it away. And that's how I interpreted it. And then the conversation between Paul and God was over. That's what I used to think. Again, very base layer as far as, you know, expounding the scripture goes. Because that's not what happened. He besought the Lord thrice and then God answered him. And what did he say? He said, my grace is sufficient for you. Well, what in the world does that mean? That means that he didn't stop talking to God. That means sometimes when the thorn got pushed in, his prayer just simply changed. It didn't stop. His prayer went from, Lord, take this away, to, Lord, I sure need some grace. Lord, I know you're in this thing, and I know you can help me. And I just pray, Father, if anything, maybe you just get down with me in this 
thorn bush and just help me go through this just a little while longer? Lord, would you help me to endure just a little while longer? Lord, I don't want to quit. Lord, I don't want to quit. Lord, this hurts real bad, but would you just please stick with me just a little while longer? I don't know if I can last another day, but I can last another 10 minutes. Lord, will you help me? And his prayer just simply changed. And you know what happens? Grace is meted out as grace is needed. Sometimes we just resolve to the fact, well, this is just my lot in life. Well, how about this? Have you, have you experienced God's presence in the midst of your pain? Say, no, I have not. Can I ask you this? Why? That's when He likes to show up. Well, how come He hasn't shown up? Has your prayer changed yet or are you still asking Him to take it away? You see, there's a difference there. There's something that changed in verse 9. It wasn't that Paul just said, oh, this is for the greater good of mankind. This is, you know what? The fact that I'm going to be able to do all this stuff for other people, that's what's getting me through this thing. That's not what got Paul through it. It was Paul understanding that God was going to buddy up next to him. The reason he gloried in his infirmities was not because he was some sadistic, crazy person that enjoyed pain. It was that in those moments of pain, he had figured out how to change his vantage point and stop looking at the physical and say, Lord, I know that if I just get low and I can just stand still and things get real quiet and the hustle and the bustle seems to slow down when I'm in pain, I know you'll show up. And I'll enjoy a presence that I have with you. I'll enjoy, I'll enjoy a fellowship that I have with you that I would never have if this pain was gone. It wasn't just, oh, look at what God's going to do with me and I'm going to have the power of God and I'm going to be a flaming evangelist and I'm going to be able to do this and God's going to do this and I'm going to get recognition and people are going to see who I am and people are going to respect me and they're going to come to me for advice and I'm going to do this and my kids are going to be this way and my family's going to be this way. It was never that. It was never that. It was simply the fact that God showed up and was close to Paul in his moment of need. How in the world do we handle it? You've got to get real still. You get it real quiet. And you just let God come down and branch by branch. I remember my stepdaddy, he saw that. and That chainsaw finally cut off. And he must have saw things weren't happening over here. And he caught his eye and he looked over. And he cut his chainsaw off, and I said, help, <laughs> help. And I remember him coming over, and he looked at me. He says, you're okay. You're all right. You're all right. And I was freaking out. All I saw was three-inch thorns, man. I was a little kid. I thought I was about to die in the middle of this stupid branch. And I remember what he did. The first thing he did, he didn't come over and say, you stinking idiot. <laughs> what are you doing? He says, you're okay. Just calm down. I'm here. I see what's going on. I'm going to get you out of this thing. I'm just going to need you to just relax and just wait just a minute until I can get these things cut off. And I remember little by little, he took one little branch after another, one little branch and one little branch and one little branch, and one little piece at a time, he started to remove those little branches 
And, every, and then all of a sudden, the thorns that were on my back, guess what? Those were gone. And the thorns around my head were gone. And the ones that were around my arms were gone. And then eventually I was able to kind of just back my way out of that thing. And I said, I thank you so much. I could not get out myself. It was too much for me to bear. You say, what in the world do you learn from this? Listen. You know what? I, I'll be honest with you. When we take prayer requests... At, I, I look at it and I see all, I see everybody, they got stuff going on. And you know what? There's no way. There's no way. Sometimes as a preacher, I, I, when I'm asked to preach, sometimes I think, well, what in the world am I going to say to help the stuff that people got going on? I know, I know of little things that are going on. There's things that I don't know about that are going on. And I think to myself, there is nothing I can do to help them. Nothing. There's no magical formula. You know what, I look at this passage and I think, you know what, God? Nobody could help Paul either. And I can't dangle the carrot out in front of their face and say, look at what God's going to do with you. I have no idea what God's going to do with you. I have no idea how your situation is going to play out. You know what I do know? I do know this. That if God's grace was sufficient for Paul, it's sufficient for you. And I do know this about being stuck in a thorn bush. If you try to get out without the help of somebody else, you're going to hurt yourself. Because you know what the knee-jerk reaction to do when you find yourself in a pricker bush like that? Hurry up and get out of it. And all of a sudden that thorn digs in, and what would have just been a little puncture wound lacerates the skin. And all of a sudden you get tangled up and your clothes get ripped and things get torn and things can get a lot worse the harder you force it. And so as us, you know, we do, we get real still. I remember, I remember a preacher preaching one time. And his name is B.R. Lakin. And he, was a, he used to pastor way, way back in the day. He pastored down in Indianapolis. And uh, as he's pastoring down there, he was also an evangelist. <clears throat> he came out of the Southern Baptists, and it was back when you know Harold Seitler and all these guys they were they were coming out of the Southern Baptists, and and they became independent, and so they weren't very popular amongst the brethren, if you can imagine. And uh, he was preaching one time, and he got a phone call that his son uh, he was he was traveling, I think from I think there he was out some preaching somewhere, and he got a phone call that his son had been hit by a drunk driver and killed him. And he gives the testimony as he was standing at the graveside of his son. His wife was standing there and she was weeping and crying and she was all tore out of the frame as you can imagine she would be. And she looked up at Mr. Lakin and she said, I can't be reconciled to it. This pain is too much to bear. I can't be reconciled to it. Does it make any sense? And with tears in Mr. Lakin's eyes as the old preacher sits and gives a testimony... He says, I looked down at my weeping wife and I said, for 30 years I've preached that God's grace is sufficient. And if it's not sufficient for me, it wasn't sufficient for them. And ladies and gentlemen here tonight, you say, I need God to show up in my life. I need, I, you know what? Maybe you're not a preacher. Maybe, you're, maybe you, you just need God. You just need God in your life. You just, you just, need, some, you just need His hand on you. I don't know about you, I need God's hand on me when I go to work. I need God's hand on me when I try to raise my kids or try to live a, a, a Christian life in this world. I need the power of God on me. Forget being in the pulpit. 
You say, what is that? It only comes through one way. And some of the pain that you or I are experiencing here tonight, that's how it comes. But the power doesn't come until you learn how to slow down and endure and allow the Lord Jesus Christ to minister to you and get you to where you need to be. And you've got to quit focusing on the pain and allow Jesus Christ to help you. But He's not going to do it in your time. He'll do it in His time. I want the power of God. Amen. But as the, as the passage tells us, my strength is made perfect when I am as weak as possible. Amen. And some of you in here, you're carrying stuff tonight, and you don't think you can carry it anymore, and you're ready to get out of this thorn patch. And I'm warning you, the harder you try to get out of it, the worse it's going to be. And it's best for you to just slow down and stand still. Because at that moment, when you realize you can't, someone's going to pull through and you're going to see something. And Lord Jesus Christ will step in and he'll show you that your strength is made perfect in weakness. And maybe went out and you're on the other side of this thing, you can say, you know what, Lord? I sure didn't enjoy it when it was going on. But I saw your hand work in my life in ways I can't describe as what pastor was preaching this morning. And maybe you can say with Paul, you know what, I glory in those infirmities, Lord. And whenever they come, I know I don't like them, but Lord, when they come, I know you're going to show up. Amen. And all those things that happen, whether they happen or not, it doesn't matter as long as you're with me in the center, dead center of that thing. Some of you in here tonight, you know what you need to do? You need to stop. And you just need to say, help, Lord. I'm done fighting. I can't handle it. It's too much. It's too big. It still hurts. Please help me. And then do what? Wait for him to come cut you out. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for being good to us. Thank you, Father, for this passage. I hope that it said what it is you wanted me to say. And I just pray that you be with our folks here tonight, God. And Father, maybe there is somebody in here. They're just going through stuff, Lord. And they can't even, they can't even say it out loud. There's things that they can't articulate their situations and things that are just there that they wish they weren't there. They're just, they're just bugging them. They're just irking them. And Father, those are just things that we have to endure. And I pray, Father, that tonight you'd strengthen your folks. As these that have come, Father, I pray, Lord, as they pray, Father, that you'd meet with them here at this altar, Father, that, Lord, as they confess their weakness and their situation, Father, that you would show them their, that uh, you're strong. Father, that you would intervene. And Father, maybe you don't take the thorn away, Father, but maybe you just bless them with your presence. You give them your grace. That'll be sufficient for them, just like it was for all your saints throughout history until this time. And Father, I pray you put your hand on these people now in Jesus' name. Amen.